0: You ever have those those times or seasons or weeks or months or years or maybe decades where it just seems like every time the chaos is starting to settle down a little bit, it stirs right back up and you just kind of wish you could get a break and have just one week where there wasn't a car breakdown on the side of the road or... The furnace stops working or you forgot to do the assignment and had to pull an all-nighter again when you already pulled two this week. And those times where it just, right when the dust seems like it's starting to settle and you can kind of see through the haze and cloud of your life to have some peace to see where you're going, everything just kind of happens again. seems like everything always happens at the same time, right? And we go through peaceful times in life and then we forget to remember how good it is. <laughs> we get two months into no catastrophes and don't even realize it until they start happening again and realize we didn't appreciate that time for what it was. And then once they start up, they, uh, they tend to not go away. Those times can make us tired and weary, they can make us frustrated that things aren't getting better. Sometimes those break us, sometimes they push us over the edge. We're celebrating uh, this week, this is the, uh, kind of the last big celebration of the Sunday of the Christmas season, um, Sunday of Epiphany, the celebration of the wise men coming to visit the family and bestow gifts, and there's a a lot of chaos in our story that we're going to see. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and I hope what you find by the end of this is that... When the Spirit is present and when God is at work in our lives, those times of chaos can be one of God's greatest gifts. You might not believe me now, and that's okay, just stick around for a little bit, but I really believe that. And I think by the time we're done looking through this passage, you may, may as well. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. When I read through this on uh, Monday this week, preparing for the sermon, there was one word that jumped out at me. And it was interesting because the translation I read on Monday is different from, I, I was reading in an online Bible, it was different than mine, in and, and almost every other translation I've found. But when I read verse 3, the initial translation I read said, when Herod the king heard this, he was afraid in all Jerusalem with him. And that really stood out to me because when we celebrate Christmas and we read through the story and when we when we think through the Christmas story in our head, by the way, show of hands, how many people if you try to hear the Christmas story in your head, how many people hear it read by Linus? Is that any is that just it's like three of us. Yeah. Brooklyn has memorized all of Luke 2 and quotes it for us often, so she's it's getting there, I'm starting to hear, but most of the time I just hear Linus if I try to remember the Christmas story, which I'm okay with. He's a good narrator and it helps me remember it. But when we think of it, at least for me, that command of the angels to not be afraid is such a significant, memorable, poignant of the Christmas story. Mary's coming to to Mary as well. It's just, in my head, in the Christmas story, we hear over and over this command to the people that are hearing from God not to be afraid. And it was interesting to me, and it jumped out at me, that in the middle of this celebration, when we come to the part of the story with Herod, he is the one thing that everyone else is cautioned or commanded not to be. I started looking into that and what I discovered was, first of all, very quickly, that most translations don't use the word afraid, they use the word troubled, which is, the end of the discussion is, it's probably a better translation Not that afraid is wrong, but in this circumstance, it's better. There's a couple different words in Greek that can be translated in in the idea of being afraid. In other places, the other words that are used have the idea of being gripped by fear, uh, where fear sort of overtakes you. It's sort of this idea of something coming upon you, right? If you think of, I picture at least someone coming up and kind of gripping your shoulders and... And grabbing onto you, that idea of, of fear that, that grips, that puts itself on you, that attempts to take control. This word is is different though, and troubled is really the better translation. But this word is also used um, in other contexts, other than the idea of emotion in, in humans. Literally, this word really just means to to stir. And so when, when Jesus heals the paralytic who's by the pool, and the man says, well, when the angel comes and stirs the water, there's no one to help me in, that's the same word. The, the word used to describe the angel that would come down and, and stir up the water, we think most likely it was probably a, um, like a, a geyser kind of hot spring that would bubble up occasionally that that idea of that bubbling up that stirring the frothing of the water that's this same word so herod is ruling in judea he's a puppet king he's a jew who has been incredibly cruel to his people in return for riches and power granted him from rome his power is granted by the emperor he has not he didn't win his crown through military conquest or by being a great leader. And he clings to that power. And when he hears that another king has been born, he is stirred up. He is troubled. We see this word... Throughout the New Testament, when the disciples are on the water in the boat and they say, see Jesus walking to them and they think he's a ghost, they are not afraid, not just afraid as gripped, but it uses this word, they were stirred up, there was turmoil within them. What's interesting though is this word isn't always used in a negative connotation. And there are many times that Jesus says, Do not be afraid, and does use. This word or he'll say do not let your hearts be troubled and he uses this word what's interesting though and what really began to really throw me off the farther I got into the week and thought I knew kind of where we were going and what the passage meant was this word is also used to describe Jesus in a number of situations So Jesus commands us not to be troubled, he tells us not to be troubled, but then the gospel writers also use this word to describe Jesus' state of mind from time to time. Jesus is troubled with this word when Lazarus dies and he goes and he sees the sisters and they're weeping and they're mourning. uses this word when he knows that Judas is going to betray him and he begins to talk to the disciples about it. So then this message, this idea, is not as simple as just don't ever do it. And if you're ever troubled, if there's ever this stirring up within you, That it's bad and you're wrong and it's a problem. And in fact, I think that belief there has caused a great deal of issue within us as, as people, as Christians, in a lot of ways, specifically in the way that we, those of us who are, who are men, operate, especially with one another, We've run from this idea of stirring. See, we like things to be calm. We like things to be like the water that's in this uh, cereal container that I stole from our pantry when my wife was trying to put food away. She was a little upset she put, put the cereal away and didn't know why. We like our life to be like that water, calm, serene, protected. There's no wind batting against it. There's nothing flowing up. It is still. It is predictable. We like those times in our life where things are still unpredictable. And we really wish that God would like that container just put a shield around us so we could be calm We could be stable. But ultimately, that's not exactly what happens. We have times when we're stable and it seems like everything is under control and then all of a sudden something happens and things begin to change in our life. And all of a sudden, water that was clear looks a bit like this. It's murky, it's dirty, there's a lot of really gross looking stuff floating around that you wouldn't want to drink. That's what happens when things get stirred up. All the junk that's on the bottom comes to the surface. And we see that in this passage, because what happens next, right? Herod is stirred up, and then... Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. A lot of the times when people get stirred up, bad things happen. When Herod was stirred up, the darkest, most evil parts of who he was, and Herod was a pretty evil guy, came to the surface. But there's a difference between the way Herod is stirred up and the way Jesus is stirred up and the way we are called in our lives to be stirred. I uh, I haven't done anything with this since we've been living here in New Hampshire, but uh, for the past few years before we moved, I um, got really into uh, keeping aquariums. Started in the pandemic and then Continued. We had three different tanks in our house at one point, but uh, my favorite one was we had this 100-gallon saltwater reef tank in our living room, and, uh, and, and fish and corals and a little green crab that Brooklyn named Chompy, and uh, we would sit and watch the fish, and one of the things with keeping a fish tank clean, especially a saltwater tank, is, is water movement, and you want your tank set up that if there's anything in the water that is not meant to be there, whether it's dirt or um, you know old food or anything like that, the goal in a properly set up tank is that there's enough water movement in the tank that no debris can settle on the bottom before it's carried into the filter. That no debris can settle to the bottom, old food, things like that, where it can rot and produce chemicals, and and hurt the tank, you want the water moving because when the water is moving, when things stay suspended in the water, they flow over into the filter and they get filtered out and then eventually washed down the drain. I thought about that as I was reading and studying and meditating on this passage, that in, in my tank, I don't want everything to just settle at, the bottom, because then it stays in the tank. And it's not pretty to see things floating around a fish tank, just like it's not pretty to see a bunch of sand and dirt floating around this jar, just like it's not pretty to see all that junk that gets stirred up in our lives. But ultimately, that's the only way to get rid of it. If I'm doing a, a water change on my tank and I'm taking a lot of the water out, I'll go in and actually intentionally stir things up in the sand and on the rocks to get the junk into the water so that I can remove it, get rid of it entirely. You see, so often what happens in our life when we encounter something that stirs us up like this, we try to just get this container of our life back down, still not moving as fast as possible to start the settling process. And we get really upset and really angry with anyone who might come and bump the table because it's going to slow things down. We had that buried for a reason. We didn't want it in the water. And if we sit here long enough, eventually that water will be crystal clear again. If we sit here long enough, all of the sediment, all of the particles, all of the junk, because right now, hey Emma Joy, would you drink that water right now? Probably not, right? It's pretty dirty. None of us would drink this water right now. But if you let that sit long enough, if you let that sit long enough, and if I put something around the bottom so you couldn't see the dirt, that water would look just fine to drink. But I saw at least one fly in there, chilling down in the sand. You wouldn't want to drink that water. And often when our lives settle, the same thing happens the junk just kind of settles on the bottom. It smooths itself over all of the dirty, all of the rotting things. Gotta be careful in a fish tank because you can have snails die under the sand. And you can't see them, but they can poison everything. We have those kind of things in our lives that when the dust settles, they just get nicely covered up. A nice smooth sand bed on the bottom. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Lose the job, bills come up, car accident, issues with a friend, not doing well in school. And all of that All of that comes to the surface. There's two things that we need to know. This word for fear is not that I have a perfectly clean jar of water and someone dumps dirt into it. It's not a word that describes an addition. Someone bringing something to you, it's a word that describes the stirring up of what's already there. I don't have to add anything to this to make clean water look dirty. Everything is already there. Now, there are times in our lives where people come in and they bring things, they bring their anger, they bring their unhealthy relationships, and and sometimes that can be a different scenario. not that we should let them control us but that's a that's a different that's a different message today we're talking about what's already in us and when things go wrong when things get difficult when life gets really cloudy we really need to be open to saying where in my life was all that junk stored Where was I keeping that? That I might have a lot of self-confidence until somebody says the one wrong thing. you have probably all had those conversations, right? Where you've got a buddy that you joke around and and you can goof off and you can make fun of each other for this and that and you can tell him that he's just... You can say all, all kinds of terrible things to him, but then there's the one thing... You make one little comment that's not nearly as insulting as the ten other things you just said to him. But there's something there's something there. When you insulted the way he dresses, that's a clean spot. You can stir that up all you want, no dirt's coming out of it. You can make fun of his athleticism. There's no there's no dirt in that spot. But then you made fun of his, made fun of his intelligence and there's a lot of dirt there and all of a sudden it just blew up. Have you had those times? Somebody just all of a sudden, or maybe you've been the one, or just all of a sudden something sets you off? this water was clean, I could sit up here all day and shake it and shake it and flip it upside down and do all this and the water would be moving, but it'd still be clear. Sanctification is the process of God cleaning us. Removing the things within us that can be stirred up. That can dirty up our lives, that can cloud our vision, that can cloud our judgment. Now, we're not going to get into what that looks like in this sermon, because there's a lot. And at some point, we'll spend some time walking through the difference between our our mind and our body and our soul and our spirit and the things that, that are born again and renewed and the things we have to work through. There's a lot there. But the fundamental principle here is this, that when we come into hardships in our life, when we have that fog, that haziness, that just, I can't see where I'm going, we need to be willing to say, God, where in my life, where in my heart have I been hiding and protecting that mess? so that it was available to come out in this moment. And then we have to recognize that those times of trouble, those times of stirring in our lives, without those, there are things within us that would never be clean. There were things that would never be clean. My 100-gallon aquarium would cycle the entire, all of the water in that tank would cycle 10 times an hour. 10 times an hour, all of the water from that tank will have flowed into and out of the filter. But if the sand bed is left alone, everything stays. Until, until, the harmful things are brought out. Until there is a stirring, there are things that cannot be cleaned. There are insecurities in you, there are wounds, there are hurts, there are traumas in you that God cannot remove because they are buried so deep that you don't even remember that they're there. So when we come into hardship, big or little, big or little, little things that happen in the morning when you're getting ready for church that make you really frustrated, they never happen at our house, but in all of yours. Little things, yes, it's it's very false. Little things that happen and they just, something explodes within you. Those are opportunities to say, whoa, this isn't that big a deal. And rather than just saying, shut up, stop making a big deal, stop being emotional, stop, pray, and say, God, what on earth just got stirred up in me? God, what just, what was buried there? That when this little thing happened, what was buried that I reacted that way and I felt that bad. But so often we just try to stuff it back down. Don't want that out, put it back down, get it clean, get it forgotten as quickly as possible. When stuff gets brought up, that means it can go out. When it's stirred up, it means it can be removed. We need to ask God what those things are. We need to talk about them. We need to recognize. We need to cry about them. We need to weep. We need to mourn losses. We need to recognize hurts. We need to offer forgiveness. Now, I'm not saying if you go off the road on the way home and total your car and then realize that your insurance just lapsed yesterday that you should just be happy about it. But in everything, if something goes wrong in your life, there's two things that can happen. Both are fantastic in a way. One is you react with the Spirit of Christ. And you say, that car is just a thing. Heck, my body's just a body, it's temporary. And my spirit cannot be killed, crushed. It will never be abandoned, it has been made new. When bad things happen, we can have the Spirit of Christ. Or the other option, which is less enjoyable but still beneficial, is we have an opportunity for God to remove something that keeps us from being like Him. When the thing goes wrong and the anger comes up and the anger comes out, or the frustration or the anxiety, that is an opportunity. We can say, God, it came out, now we can get rid of it that thing that had been buried for so long is available to be removed. Please pick it up and take it out of here. The hardships, the trials, the struggles, the stirrings in your life, when they bring up pain and hardship, are opportunities for God to remove that thing so you don't have to see it again. You don't have to feel the stirring coming and try to keep everything calm and down and packed in so it's not going anywhere. I can shake this water bottle. Forgot I had another water container up here. I can shake this, it doesn't get dirtier. It looks the same as it did before you took a still shot of this with a really good camera in mid shake other than some bubbles the water looks the same it's not changed don't you want to live a life where the bad things can happen and you're not changed by it because god has been given permission to work in your life so much that he's just removed all of the dirt that had settled to the bottom So it can no longer come up and poison you and infect you and hurt you and cover your eyes so that you can't see him. That's how I want to live my life. Maybe as you start praying about this, there's some big stuff. Maybe there's some little things. You pray about them. You figure it out. Maybe there's some big things that are going to take a little while to get rid of. I encourage you to look for support from others. Find someone wiser, possibly older, who's walked where you're walking and allow them to teach you and help you. Come talk to me about it. Come talk to one of our other staff pastors. Bring other people in. Seize those opportunities. Let's pray. Jesus, what better thing than to be made clean by you? Are we we enter this life already dirty? Entering the world, sin immediately starts to just throw its filth at us. And we make our own decisions and we allow sin to rule in our hearts and we we bring that in, but it's not even all from us. It's it's people that have hurt us, abused us, bullied us, excluded us, neglected us. They We've got a lot of dirt in our hearts that's not even not even our faults, not even from what we did. But Father, you want to clean it all out. You want to work in us. You want to stir that dirt up so you can filter it out and just be done with it so we can stop being afraid that we'll be bumped too hard, experience something too jarring, that we'll be, we'll, we'll be shaken enough to bring it up from the surface, especially those those dying things that we've buried very, very deep. And Father, keep us safe, because this can be dangerous. Stirring up that junk, bringing those pollutants to the surface and into the water, that that can be a dangerous thing. So protect us guard our hearts and let us rely on you every step of the way and and Lord keep us from walking into this with you and trying to walk out of it on our own because that is a path to destruction and pain let us rely on you more and more every step of the way your spirit in our hearts Lord may it Cleanse us and clean us. Let us not run from the trouble. Lord, give us the strength through your joy to just rejoice in the chaos as we see you removing hurt and brokenness and pain and filth from our hearts. Make us clean, Lord, we pray. Amen.